we just really want to truly, truly welcome you guys. Uh, have such an expectancy in my spirit this year. Uh, before we go any further, uh, who are those that are joining us for the very first time at Gosim? Can you just please rise your, to your feet? First time at Gosim. Praise God. <laughs> Well, you are all very, very welcome. We want to give you a gosim welcome. And so we want to shout hallelujah in a resounding way to you and to God. So everybody join me and say hallelujah. Praise God. You are most welcome. Please take your seats. Take your seats. Amen. Um, at some point during our time together, I'm going to ask us to introduce ourselves. Uh, Pastor Tosin challenged us in a little bit uh, just now about uh, moving around and getting to one, know one another. That is going to be really part of what I'm sharing tonight. Nothing grows without cross-pollination. That's biology. That's a fact of life. And as you will see in the uh, sharing that we're going to bring tonight, if we are going to be able to perpetuate the message that God has given us, then we have to lose ourselves and be willing to engage others that may not quite be like us. And it is as we lose ourselves that we gain ourselves. That's a kingdom paradigm. There is no way we'll be able to carry this message to generations to come and globally at that if we don't really make a conscious effort at that. Already we know that Sunday mornings all over this country is the most segregated hour of the week. Will that really truly be what Jesus died for? Please, you guys help me out. Help me out. The Bible said very clearly in Romans, um, not Romans, Revelation chapter 5, that he has called us out, not in, out of every what? People. Every tongue. Every tribe. Every nation. Let's go to that scripture. I'm sorry, I didn't plan to start there this evening, but we are there. Revelation chapter 5. Verse 9 and 10. I'm still here in the ring. Revelation chapter 5. Verse 9. Revelation chapter 5. One, two, three, four, five. Undo to our card sank. Thank you. Amen. That's as far as my French goes. <laughs> Don't push me beyond that. I may be cursing you if I, if I try anything more than that. Okay. Verse 9 says, And they sang a new song, Worthy, take the scroll, open its seals, slain, pray, pay in blood. You bought men and women, bought them back from all over the earth, bought them back for God. Ah, give, me, give it to me in NKJV. Thank you. Back to verse 9. 
And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the troll, scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of what? And, 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 that's where it called you from. Now, we are not saying you lose your natural identity. But we are saying God has called you and I from the natural to something bigger than you. And the only way we'll be able to function as a kingdom of priests in the earth is that we recognize that. Now, our natural inclination is to withdraw to that which is familiar. Our comfort zones, thank you, Bishop. But I just want to challenge us as we go along, as we move forward uh, in t this week and even when we're away from here, let us make it a point. And you're going to see in a minute, you're going to see when we get into scriptures in a minute, why this is so, so very important. Amen? All right. Now, uh, let me just take one quick second to acknowledge and thank God uh, for, for you. It's a delight for us to be here. Uh, Sharon and I really do welcome you. We thank God for uh, the privilege to serve you and to be a blessing to you. Uh, but allow me for one second to just uh, make a few mentions. Uh, and the reason I do this is because I want us all to know that apart and without uh, the uh, willing participation of these persons, we may not be here. So just let me thank Pastor uh, Mike Adebamawa. The only bishop in the tribe, Bishop Adeoye. <laughs> the only doctor in the tribe, Dr. Ampasa Falaho Ayeni. And definitely, last and not the least, the only chief in the tribe, <laughs> Chief Womack. <laughs> And let me just tell you why I'm doing that. These names are just called, paid for everything that you guys are going to partake of this week. Now, they will not want me to mention their names, but I'm their father. They can't tell me what to do. <laughs> Amen? Plus, I'm doing so because I don't want to be an ingrate. And I do not want to take advantage of their God-given generosity. Amen. And within the tribe, we need to know ourselves. Amen. Okay? Now, this year, the giving went a dimension beyond the norm. Because the spirit of the chief is now upon the son in that he voluntarily, without anybody asking him or talking to him, brought to the table substantial money. As his father was given, Doug and Val came alongside when and was doing, I mean, that, that blew me away because when they told me that these guys were doing that, I said, wow. And even today, they brought a check to me towards this meeting. I mean, they've been given and then they, they did an extra. So, so 
Chief, your spirit is being perpetuated. For which I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Now, now, I know to others of you, you guys may not even be aware of this. So I don't want you to sit back there and say, oh my God, how they put him on? No, 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 no. Don't, listen, chill. Take a chill pill. Amen. Amen. <laughs> this is not a time to uh, put you out there. That's not the, what this is about. I just don't want to, to be negligent in commending those that have done things that they've been asked to do. Amen. While at the same time, letting us within the tribe know what's going on. Amen. Amen. Uh, so this is not it's anything for a bragging right. Rather, it's just a matter of appreciation. My wife and I just really, truly appreciate you guys because I know, I know for some of us, this was tough. I don't want to go into personal stories, but I, I really, really know that for some, for, so for some of us, this was very, very tough. And for the rest of you guys, you've refreshed my wife and I in other ways and in other means, and we do appreciate that, and we thank God for that. So, so it's not as if we've not done anything. You've done plenty. In fact, just being here is a lot. And we do appreciate Can we give them a round of applause for that? Amen. Thank you so much for your presence. Amen. All right. So this evening, for the time we have, can we just go please to the book of Matthew, chapter 21? Um, not teaching from the... Well, let me see. I don't know. Let's just... Valerie, can you read for me? Can, you, can I volunteer you to read? This letter here. I think I better read this letter. Can, can I get live on this mic? Is this mic on? Oh. Oh, okay. Excuse me. It's on. Just the letter to the participant. is in your notes. Yeah. I, I wanted to read the letter in your notebook. As a, you have it in your notebook. The letter to, the, uh, to all participants. Just so you guys will know my thinking for how we got to where we are and where we're going. Amen. You guys like your notebooks? Yes. Yeah. Amen. I designed it. No, I'm just this. <laughs> no way. I did. I did. <laughs> That's not my gifting. I don't know where Pastor Tosin found the designer. Maybe she did it herself. I don't know. But that is her. That's Lane. It's not your gift either? Oh, okay. Maybe something Badaki. <laughs> Breathe on you. <laughs> Praise God. Whenever you're ready. Thank you. Letter to the Goshen Participants. 5th, 2017. Dear Participants, Sharon and I want to welcome you this year, Goshen. Our expectation is that you receive, renewed in your spirit, and equipped with tools needed to advance the vision of God for your life and ministry. Our theme this year is Empowered by Grace for Fruitful and Helpful, Healthy Relationships. In order to successfully understand the theme, it is important to understand each word individually. We, we have been given the official authority, Empowered by Grace, the person of Christ, to yield abundantly productive, fruitful, disease by grace, the person of Christ, to yield abundantly productive, Productive, fruitful, disease-free, healthy connection with family, friends, and associates' relationships. In just reading the explanation of our theme, I am sure at least our currently strained relationship came to the front of your mind. How could I possibly have fruitful and healthy relationships with, enter your name here, Amen. 
The Goshen theme this year is indeed wealth weighty. Yet we must pause and feel our part of our responsibility. We need to in invite a hunger for this grace to begin saturating our minds and hearts. Matthew 5 and 6. In life, we experience a variety of relationships. As someone, someone's child, siblings, parents, spouse, disciples, leaders, friends, co-workers, and the list goes on. Each and every one of us were created to relate to both God and each other. Mankind attained its full potential only in the content of healthy relationships with God and man. This fun fundamental element of God's plan is under attack today. The fury of hell, the fury of hell has been launched against godly relationships, and the attack is only intensifying. Families are un 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 unraveling. Stress has replaced bliss. Millennials are seeking authentic, authentic, authentic. Go ahead. That's fine. Authenticity. Yeah. As I say, no longer sacrifice. Rather, it is I do what I see. Ministries are falling, failing. Hearts are being broken. Relationships are succumbing to ungodly pressure. God has given the grace and administration to know the mysteries of the kingdom to everyone. For God has revealed his grace for salvation of all people. That grace instructs us to give up ungodly living and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this world. Titus 2, 11, 12. While grace has been given to everyone, the administration will depend on each one of us, of us position ourselves to hear and obey. Stop for a minute. That's the key. That one, that one, that last sentence is going to be the key for the time that we're together. We're all very familiar with the fact that grace has been given. We have nothing to do with the grace that's given. That grace was freely given by God. Unfortunately, it doesn't stop there. Apart from the grace that's given, there's an administration of that grace which brings reality and results to our lives. So it will not be suffice for me to just know that grace has been given, unmerited, undeserved, on favor. Given. Jesus did all of that. There's nothing that needs to be added. But what we're here for in these next two, three days is to understand the administration. How that grace is administered to each of our particular situations and settings so that we for whom grace has been provided can receive the necessary administration to get results in our life. Huge. Huge. It is, this, is, this, is, this is really where the rubber meets the road. Jesus is not doing any new thing. 
when he announced in John 13, verse, John 19, verse 31, that it is finished. That's exactly what it means. It is finished. There's nothing else that needs to be added. But you have to ask yourself the question. Thanks, Valerie. Thanks. I, can, I think I can take it from here. You have to ask yourself the question. Jesus, knowing that it was finished, as he prepared to go to that cross, began to prepare his disciples for life hereafter. And in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16, he spent serious time preparing them. I'm going away. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. But not only that, I know that you're going to be saddened by the fact that I'm leaving you. It's like I'm going. It's like uh, I, I, you're going to be without me. But I'm telling you, he says to them, I'm telling you, it is expedient for me to go away. Because as long as I'm here, I'm only physically with you here one-on-one. -on -one. I can't touch this person. I can't, I, I'm limited. As long as I remain with you, there's only one Christ. But as in all the paradigms of God, all the other things that God do, when I remove one, in the natural, it's like one is gone, nothing else exists. But with God, when you release something, it multiplies itself exponentially until the devil don't know what to do with it. So it is expedient for me to go away because now when I do go away, the plan within the Trinity is that the Father will send a replacement, another in my stead. And now, when this another comes, it will not just be one Christ. It will be many Christ all over the place. Think about that. Why will he do that? He's doing that because he knows the grace is there, but each one of us will need this independent administrator, agent, per second, per second. I will not have to be a Lazarus sending Martha and Mary to go and fetch Jesus that Lazarus is sick. I have to wait four days to get an answer. You will not have to be Jairus' daughter, where Jairus had to physically remove himself, go and find Jesus in another town, and beg him to come and heal his daughter. Why? You have a Jesus on demand. Within you. The challenge is, if you don't understand the dynamics or the protocol, you are carrying the answer and you are still begging for questions. That's why you need to understand the administration. Some of the biggest, most successful corporations, companies, ministries, organizations, are not just run by smart CEO. They have a strong administrator who is intimate with the vision or the direction of the organization. This is where we're going. 
the president or the CEO dreams and they bring the dream down to the administrator. I say, this is the dream. The administrator now put the nuts and bolts together that makes the vision work. Is it amazing that when God was going to save the world in Egypt, chief, he didn't call a preacher. When the world was in a state of famine and chaos in Egypt, he, God, called an administrator called Joseph. There may, be, there may have been prophets all around that understands the mind of God, the direction of God. But what we are looking for here is not just the direction or the mind. We need results. And without somebody telling us how to do this urgently, the world will have perished. So God needed to save the world. He found for himself an administrator. Somebody who knew how to dispense the wisdom of God for the situation. Somebody who knew how to dispense the resources of God for that particular circumstance. Isn't that what we need today? When Israel was in ruins and the nation needed to be restored, it amazes me again, once again, that God did not call Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel, this, all these wonderful preachers or prophets. He went and found a man who was at that time only the cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah. Why? Because the nuts and bolts to administer the wisdom of God, the mind of God, to bring restoration was in the hand of Nehemiah. And you read through the book, stage by stage, instruction after instruction, precept upon precept, line upon line, the wall was rebuilt. Rebuilt. Now, of course, there's a place for preachers, pastors, but the, the bigger picture here is, if I want to start talking about pastors, preachers, that's minuscule in the plan of God. Because each one of us carry God in us. Each one of us has something to contribute, whether you're a pastor or a layman, whether you're an engineer or a businessman, whether you're a doctor or, or nurse. It doesn't matter what you're, that's not the issue. The issue is from the scripture we just read in Revelation chapter 5. All of us, first and foremost, before you became a pastor, prophet, apostle, all of us equalize before God as kings and priests. As kings, you carry decrees. But, but, but if you don't know how to administer the decree you're carrying, you're going to be in trouble. Go and ask the prophet, Nathan, who was going to confront David about his sin. He was a prophet, all right. Why did he go about talking to David the way he did? Why did he not just rush into the palace? So David, ha, ah, <laughs> I see, I see, I see. I see you sleeping with a woman. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. His head will have been on the platter. He didn't do that. Why did Prophet Samuel not go to ordain David and announce to the world, I'm coming to ordain a new king? Why the king was still sitting? Instead, he said, I'm coming to the sacrifice. 
Because truly, whenever a king is being ordained, there's always a sacrifice. So he wasn't lying. He was just not giving him full disclosure. It's called wisdom. <laughs> it's called the administration of God's mind for that situation. So it's truly, yes, the grace is given. But where I am now, and where I'm seeing us going, and what I see God doing is, each one of us must get to the place of optimizing our God-given potential. Maximal, maximal, uh, maximum optimization. But that will not happen if you don't understand administration. Now, when I'm using the term administration, understand I'm not talking about uh, strategic planning, uh, your, th to your calendar, your things to do. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking of the administration of the spirit. And in particular, the spirit of grace. Grace has been freely given. But we have to understand how to administer it. Now, there are so many things happening in the body right now. So many, 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 many things. And in the last few months, it's almost as if hell has un unleashed bazookas. And I'm talking about focused particularly on our families. I have never seen, never known, never come across so many attacks as I'm seeing in individuals' lives and relationships and families. If I, if I, was, if I had the liberty to share some of the things that I know, you guys would be hard-pressed to even believe that it's possible. And I'm not talking about unbelievers. No, not unbelievers. Almost at the average of once a week, I'm hearing all kinds of reports. This is, this is no exaggeration. I'm not stretching the fact here. But what this tells me is that the enemy is feeling the pinch and will do anything, anything possible or necessary to destroy every one of us. Man, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to. Under, I'm just trying to see how best to. I don't want to depress you with some of the things I know, but at the same time, sometimes, if you are not shocked into reality, you hear that things are rough, but you don't know how rough they are, and therefore you don't appreciate the roughness. You understand what I'm saying? So if you hear about turbulence on an aircraft, and you've never been one, you, do, you don't appreciate it. Go and ask me and uh, Pastor Jim Blossom again. The day we were flying back from South Carolina on Delta Airlines, Boeing 757. You know how I remember all these details? Because my life was in despair. Or is it the time that my wife and I and Sammy were flying from Lagos to Jaws? Maybe, maybe I should use that example. No kidding. There was not one person on the aircraft that was not shouting to whatever God they believed in. <laughs> Except for my wife, who was fast asleep next to me. 
I woke up and said, Jonah! <laughs> I, said, I said, the flood is going, you are sleeping? <laughs> Seriously, I'm not joking. I mean, all over that aircraft. God! I repent! <laughs> the blood of Jesus! <laughs> all over the aircraft. I'm not talking about whispering. Everybody was yelling. The thing was just. Hey! And the pilot then said, if, see, if I just heard the pilot's voice, Perhaps I would have been a little comforted. I didn't know whether the guy was dead in the cockpit, if he was alive, none of that. I mean, going up and up and come from. Whoa! When the thing finally landed, I don't think anybody could stand it. We were all like this. <laughs> Terrible! Now, I still have to say this. So, for a person who's been through that, when you say turbulence, they know what you're talking about. But if you just hear the word turbulence and you've not been through a turbulent flight, you don't really appreciate what, what you just, were just told. But folks, guard yourself. I'm telling you, we are living in a time when we cannot be a casual observer any longer. We all need to be in active pursuit of him who has paid the price for victory. No one is exempted. No family is exempted. No relationship is exempted. I'm telling you, hell is unleashing his best asset. And we're the targets. We're the targets. Uh, I don't know what the woman in this room will say if they came home one day and found out that the husband has had a child out of wedlock. And you just pray with them yesterday in tongues, lift, hands lifted up, and they're singing praises. And then you get an anonymous letter to know that, in fact, your husband is just father than that child. I said, now it looks like you guys are getting picture now. And not just one person. Not just two people. All of us will come together. We just sang. We just did hallelujah a few minutes ago. We lift up our hands. Do you know how shocking it would be for me next week to hear that something like that happened among us? And yet it is happening? Now, these people, let me make sure you understand. These individuals who are caught in this thing, they mean that. Do you understand? I don't think there's anyone who says, you know, I'm going to go out and, and destroy my family and destroy my relationships, and destroy my business, and destroy my church, and destroy my... Nobody ever thinks, that, 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 thinks like that. 
even for the individuals that I know, they, they never planned that. But until you and I learn to be good stewards of administration, we become game. Become game. And these are not just, I'm not talking about just believers, I mean people that go to church. I'm talking about pastors, ministers, people who know the truth, who preach the truth, and pray for people that are in trouble. Hello? And I know that the effort of hell is intensifying. Because we're in the last of the last days. But the good news is Jesus Christ has given to you and I all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not just some things, but all things. All things. Give me that scripture. I believe it's 2 Peter chapter 1. Is it verse 4? 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 4. Yes. By which we have been given, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through this you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We have everything we need. I believe it's Romans 5.17. Let me, give me that scripture, Romans 5.17. Ah, thank you very much. For if by the, of, by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive what? That's our empowerment. That's our empowerment. Abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. What will happen to us? We will reign in life through the one. Ah, that's the key. We have the grace, we're empowered. We have the gift, righteousness. But how do we reign? How do we reign so we're not ruled? You see, it's either you are ruling or you are ruled. <laughs> let, 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 me, let me slow down a little bit. It's either you are ruling or you are ruled. But the way you rule is through what? The one. The one, Jesus Christ. Now, let's, let, me, let me back up a little bit and, and explain this. This is huge. Do you not know that if you and I find ourselves in a tight spot, 
Now, don't think in your religious box. Now, if you do, you'll miss what I'm about to say. If, if you and I are in a tight spot, do you not know that scriptures, scriptures cannot save you? Scripture will not save you. <laughs> let, let me, let me. He said, whoa, heresy. Osama bin Laden. No, 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 I'm not Osama. Did you not hear what Jesus said? In John 5.39, give me John 5.39, please. Let's back up. Because we want to really, 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 we want to know about this administration. Romans 5, seven, uh, what did I say? What scripture? John 5.39, thank you. You search what? The scriptures. For in them you think. That's the problem. You've been thinking too much. Because you, dog, think scriptures will save you. For in them, we've built confidence. We've built guarantee. Ah, oh, I've memorized 39 scriptures. Hallelujah. I'm not ready to be a dickhead. I've memorized all the, all the book of Psalms. Which one do you need? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Ba, 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 ba. You think that will save you? When you're confronted with a naked woman, a naked man in a picture, you think that Psalms 23 will save you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall know one. Hear what Jesus said. You think you have life. In other words, he's being sarcastic. You think, you really think scriptures will give you life? Come on, guys. Chief, you know this. Farrakhan knows more scriptures than most of us. Louis Farrakhan, when he's preaching in the mosque, he has the Quran on one hand and the Bible on the other hand. And he knows more scriptures than all of us put together. If scriptures will save a person, why is he not saved? And I didn't say it. Jesus said it. They are not just reading scriptures. They are searching it. Like the Bereans. Searching the scriptures if these things be so. They were searching. Jesus looked at them and said, you guys, you are searching the scriptures? You think in them you have life? You miss it, Jews. The scriptures are only a pointer. They only point to me. I am the one that gives life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Not the scriptures. I am the way. Don't you understand? Not the scriptures. In fact, Paul made it clear in Galatians chapter 2. He said the scriptures are what? They point us. They are schoolmasters. That's the best scriptures do for you. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying not to know scriptures. I, I don't want to hear like that. What I'm saying to us is, once you learn scriptures, understand to whom the scripture is pointing. In your day of trouble, in the day of your need, it is not the scripture that will deliver you, but the person of whom the scripture speaks. 
That's why Romans 5, 17 says, we reign through the one. Even though it's given us exceedingly great and precious promises, the way you reign, however, is not through the scriptures, but the one, capital O, N, E, and then it defines that one for us, Jesus Christ. D do you understand what I'm saying tonight? <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, maybe I better back up. I'm seeing your faces. Have I thrown you? Have I, have I confused you? Does, does it, does, have, okay, have I butchered the scriptures? Pardon me? Heavy dose? Give me that 539. Let me see what it says in the message. I've never tried. I've never checked it out. I'm just, I'm just curious. How does it say it? <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> This is, this is, this is, look at what it says. You have your heads in your Bible constantly because you think you find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about who? Oh. <laughs> Do you see something here? Huge. This is too much. This is too much. And it's important for us to understand this because you see, the day that you and I are going to, in the days of trouble, in the days of hardship, thank you for the scriptures. The scriptures, however, point me, is telling me who to go to, who will remedy the situation, who will be my helper. The scripture itself cannot do it. No. If it could, these Jews would have been saved. Do you know the average Jew, you know, they wrote, this, they wrote the scriptures and tied on their heads. Do you, you think you know the Bible? Really? Those guys will put you, put you and I to shame. They tied on their ties, tied on their head. I mean, they were, they were, they were scripture, they were mobile scriptures. Scriptures on two legs. Yet Jesus came, they missed him. They missed him. Because they were focused on the letter of the Lord rather than the spirit of it. And that's a danger for you and I. Now, please hear me. We need to learn scriptures. We need to know what's in our inheritance. We need to know what's in the covenant. We need to know what Jesus has done for us. We need to know the promises he's made to us. But what should be happening is this. As I read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I must not put myself where David was. Wow. This is what you did for David. Thank you, Father. Because if you did it for David, I know you can do it for me. And, and allow that same spirit that was present when David said that to come upon you. Rather than just being in the road and just, ba 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 ba, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So what? If it will be time for you to put your note, you won't have it. And the scriptures will not deliver you. Because the scriptures lack the ability to do that. The scriptures were not given to deliver. They were given to point to the deliverer. Don't ever forget that. We reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. We reign in life through the one. 
what we just shared here, if just in these five minutes, is the reason many of us don't have an internet. It's the reason why we don't have an internet. Why we cannot have the manifestation of what God has promised. Because we're thinking that promise will come through scriptures, not through him. We have idolized the scriptures and trivialized him. Do you see the difference? It is, man, I, I don't, I don't I'm, I'm looking at you guys, you guys are casual. When I first discovered this, it almost killed me in a good way to say, wow, I've been pursuing the wrong thing. Watch what David said. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that would I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? What are you going to dwell in there for, David? To behold what? His what? Beauty. One thing, not two things. Not two verses of scripture. Not the books of the Bible. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. One thing. What is it? He wants to go to the temple. To do what? To behold the beauty. The radiance. My goodness. The awesomeness of the one through whom he can reign. He said to behold his beauty and to inquire at his temple. That's his desire. Now you can appreciate why Jesus told Martha, you are encumbered about too many things. And man just do what? Sat at his feet. It's the issue of proximity. It's the issue of union. It's the issue of knowing. Oh man, let me, let me read one more scripture. You know, I, I wanted to start with Matthew 21. We're not, we're not even there. God will help us this week. Let's go to Mark chapter 3. Verse 13. Give me Mark 3, 13. Now, you must understand what I'm saying to you. Give it to me first. Uh, uh, give it to me in NKJV first there. Thank you. I'm, I'm in a totally new place. I'm in a new place. Because I'm learning to enjoy him again. I'm learning to enjoy him again. I, I cannot tell you <laughs> how many times I'll labor over a message and, and prepare and prepare and prepare. And my wife will ask me, how, how is it coming? I say, well, I, I don't know. And when I say that, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not just having small talk. I'm serious. I don't know. Because it will appear as if things are disjointed and, and the thoughts don't come totally together the way I prefer for it to be. And so after I've done that for a couple of days and I don't seem to be, to be where I want to be, I just leave it. I'm blinded, just leave it alone. Go to sleep. Do something else. Now, while, all the while, while I'm doing that, I'm communing with him. I'm talking with him. And I'm making him my priority and not the message. 
oh God, God help us this week. I'm letting him know that if I have to go out there and speak and become a fool, I'd rather do that than miss that time of communion. And many times, the prison worship will be going on. I'm saying, man, God, if you don't show up, this, the, today's the day. <laughs> I'm turning in my license today. <laughs> no, seriously. But I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's the most thrilling. I, 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 will not, I, I, will not, I will not give it up for anything. I'm talking about this new place of, of not knowing what God is going to do and yet just say, okay, if we don't do it, fine. And if we do, wonderful. And it's been incredible. It really has. But part of what I'm sharing today is the reason for it. Look at what Mark 3, 13 says. And he went up on the mountain and called to who? Him. Those he himself wanted. And he came to the scriptures. Take him to him. The next verse. Then he appointed twelve. What did he call them to do? Ah, okay. Did you say that? Notice he did not give them, okay, these are three lessons. Foolish. Professor, these are all your lessons. Go and study them for Sunday school and have them all mastered. No. No. The order of priority. Be with me. Because your empowerment, your ability to speak for me will be determined by your interaction with me. Because when you go out to speak for me and you've not interacted with me sufficiently enough, you'll be just making noise. Annoyance. Irritation. Nothing will happen. Because you are not an authorized dealer of the word of God. No, they are dealers. And they are dealers that are authorized. Oh, yes. I know some places in Lagos. They can sell you Rolex. <laughs> Pardon me? Why Lagos? Unfortunately, Lagos is very, we're very famous. <laughs> he was asking why Lagos. I said, because Lagos, unfortunately, has gained fame for getting good bargains. Good bargains. Rolex, but not authorized. So the day you want to service it and you take it to the shop for service, they say, this is not unauthorized. This is not a legitimate one. <laughs> no, but seriously. So it says, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach my authorization and empowerment to preach comes because he has spoken to me. So because I know how to make a Bible lesson, because I'm gifted to, uh, with oratory skills to speak and to preach does not make me a preacher. It just makes me a noisemaker. 
I'm making noise. Amen? So this is going to be very important. Now, let's go back to Matthew 21. Let's, let's try and see if we can start. So, the, 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 the point here being, you and I must get to that place where we recognize that we need administration. Uh, you know, a, a good example of this, of what we're talking about, is an inheritance, where it's a testament and a will that's been drawn legally. Every legal will has what you call an executor. The executor is the administrator of the estate. So even, even though there's a document that says, okay, the Bentley becomes, belongs to you, the Kassun uh, Beverly Hills is yours, and uh, in fact you own the Atlantic Ocean, or whatever it is you own, it's in the will. If that will is not executed by the appointed administrator, it just remains a worthless, worthless piece of paper. That's what's happened to us. We have a will. A will that's been given, granted, given to us by Jesus' grace. Unlimited. Inexhaustible. But now we need to learn the protocol of administration so we can get what's ours into the realm of manifestation. Does that make sense? Good. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 21. Let's begin to read from verse... Matthew 21, verse 18. Thank you. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. One of the rare times when Jesus is hungry. Verse 19 says, And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it, and found nothing on it. He found nothing on it. But leaves. He found nothing on it but leaves. Let me find my place again. Uh, okay. All right. And then Jesus did the unthinkable. The Bible says, it says, let no fruit go on you forever again. Immediately, the fig three withered away. Now, this is Jesus who came to bless humanity. In fact, as far as I know, maybe you Bible scholars may correct me on this one. I do not find any other incident where Jesus released the curse. I may be wrong. But I cannot remember any other time, Chief, when he cursed anything. Everywhere he went, he blessed. But in this particular situation, the Bible said he cursed the tree and said, let no fruit ever, no man ever eat after you again. 
Now, first of all, in order for you to appreciate what Jesus is doing here, we need to understand symbols. Symbols. Now, yesterday in my message, I mentioned the fact that the eagle symbolizes or portrays the United States. So we have uh, all these, uh, uh, we have all these pictures of eagles. The crest of the United States is an eagle. I mean, eagle is a, is a big part of who we are. Do you guys understand that? For, the, for Russia or the Soviet Union, it's the bear. They're angry. Oh, bear. <laughs> the bear portrays, it's a national portrait of Russia. And so you find insignias all over Russia with bears on it. When it came to Israel, the fig tree symbolizes and portrays Israel as a nation. And many scriptures bear this out. Hosea, uh, uh, Ezekiel, there's so many of them. Where God talks to Israel and use the symbolism of fig to represent them. So this, it's important for you to understand this context so you know why Jesus did what he did. So the day came, he was hungry. He looks down the road. Ah, fig tree. And the fig tree had leaves on it. This tree is unique in the fact that naturally, Whenever there are leaves on the fig tree, it is a sign that there are also fruit. And therefore, Jesus' expectation arose. I'm hungry. I'm looking at the tree. It's figs. And therefore, I see leaves on it. Oh, wow. Praise God. I'm home free. It'd be like when we went to the Soviet Union. You didn't know Were you on that trip to Moscow? You didn't go to Moscow? Okay. We've been traveling there for about 10 days. Now, you need to understand this was 1994 or 95. I can't remember what year it was. Do you remember what year it was? 93. 93. Thank you, dear. Listen, Soviet Union in 93. It's not what Putin is shouting about now. While we were there, the first and only McDonald's was opened in Moscow. I will never forget that day. We traveled for about, we've been there for about eight days. I'm telling this story so we can appreciate how Jesus felt. We get to the hotel, it's time to eat. You know, in America, we're so spoiled. You go to uh, TGI Friday, they bring you a menu, a menu book that's about 50 pages. You open this page, and that page, and that, ah, which one will I pick? All kinds of pictures. Really? In 1993, Russia, first of all, they bring this waitress that looks like she's been in a boxing match with Rocky. <laughs> she, she comes and looking at you and puts the menu on the, on the table. On the menu, there's nothing on there. Water, boiled eggs. Cow's leg. That's nothing. There's no choice. 
I remember this particular day. True story. Every breakfast, <laughs> these jokers will give us about four, five boiled eggs. <laughs> That's breakfast. Mike, four eggs. David, four eggs. Super four eggs. Somebody third day, as some morning of courage, I asked the waitress, can we get some fried eggs instead of boiled? The way she looked at me, I said, oh, no, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not kidding. You know, in America, you say, what do you want to drink? You ask what you want to drink. You say, what do you have? Oh, we have Coke products. And they list them. Ginger ale. In Russia, they didn't ask us. They just brought the drink. I'm slapping it the table. Bah! And God help you if you complain. We didn't know what we drank. We did not know what we were drinking. Or what we were eating. True story. We didn't know when we were going to get the next meal. Because you get to the restaurant, even though they, have hour, they will have on the door hours of operation, it's left at the discretion of whoever runs the place. <coughs> I have never seen anything like that in my life. And you take a group of 22 Americans and they can't eat what they want. They can't do what you want. They almost killed me on the field. True story. Riot almost broke out in Moscow because I couldn't give them what they want to drink and I could not promise what they want to eat nor when we are going to eat. So we've traveled for about 10 days and we finally alighted like Jesus into Moscow on this grand day. And McDonald's was opening the first chain store in Moscow. Come and see my American team. <laughs> Everybody made it. The, the van had not finished packing. Everybody was running. McDonald's, praise God. <laughs> Many of you will know Apostle Ulysses stuff. He was the first on the line. I said, my brother, this is this really McDonald's. I said, yes, McDonald's. <laughs> Man, the guy got to, he got to the cash register. Give me five double, five Big Macs. I said, what? Because none of us have eaten for about 10 days. Because we don't know what we're eating. And so people were hungry, buying stuff. I mean, it's, it's like the place was going to run out of food. That's how ravished we were. Remember Jesus now. He was hungry. And just as McDonald's gave my team an expectation that finally we will eat something we know. Fish filet, Big Mac, cheeseburger, something we finally know that can satisfy us. Oh, thank you. Here it comes. And he goes to the tree and sees nothing but leaves. And say, what an audacity. Deception of the highest order. You hypocrite. How dare you produce leaves with no fruit? That passage was speaking of Israel. Who were the custodian of the oracles of God have been fed and nurtured 
and fertilized by God, and therefore God had an expectation that they would grow up and produce. And when the time came for Israel to produce fruit and manifest for the God who has fed them, they had nothing but leaves, no fruit. And Jesus was utterly disappointed because the only thing that fits this Jesus is not our gift without fruit. He could not be impressed with your gift. Your gift can never move him. You will never find any passage where Jesus was impressed with any gift. But we find passages where he was hungry. And the only thing that feeds this hungry Jesus is fruit. Now when you compare scripture with scripture, it is obvious that trees always speak to us of mankind. Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, that stands not in the way of sinners, that sits not in the seat of discomfort, but his delight is in the law of the Lord his God. And he, of verse 1 and 2, shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. So when Jesus saw the fig tree, he was not just seeing figs, he was seeing human beings. Human beings that he had nurtured and fed and who should by now be reproducing after its own kind. But instead, they had nothing but leaves. Ah, shall I take us to Genesis chapter 3? Give that to me, please. Olalu. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. So you can understand why Jesus was, if I can use to this language, peace. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. What did they do next? They sewed what? Together and made themselves coverings. Why was Jesus so upset? Because the first Adam also had an encounter with the fig tree. But the first Adam's encounter was not looking for fruit, but looking for leaves to cover. Leaves represents Mind's activities, mind's self-effort, mind's program, the outward things that we do to bring attention. Oh, I am uh, the usher. I'm a great usher. I have been ordained as a deacon since 1942. 
I'm a head dick, you see. Before anything happens in this church, I'm a, as a head dick, I must be consulted. All the programs that we put together to show our strength, to show our ingenuity, to show how wonderful we are. The first Adam was not looking for fruit. He was trying to use his own effort to cover his own nakedness. Not recognizing the leaves when it's fresh may be very green. But that greenness is temporal. After it's been beaten by rain and sun for a week, two weeks, the green gives way for brownish. After a while, they crack. After the crack, rain pours through. So what you thought covered you actually made you look foolish. So the first Adam was after leaves. Leaves. But the last Adam, from Paul's description of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 of Jesus, it was not the second Adam, no. Because if it was second, then that means there will be a third one. There will be a fourth one. It was the last Adam. So the last Adam came not impressed by leaves. When the last Adam came, he was looking for fruit, not leaves. You can give leaves to the first Adam, the man of the natural, the man of the physical. Ah, oh, tell you, I appreciate what you do. You, you really work hard. You, you do this. You carry the speaker on your head. You sweep the floor. You preach very well. All your activities, they are leaves. He does not qualify you and I for anything with leaves. He only qualifies us through fruit. So the first Adam came looking for leaves. The last Adam came looking for fruit. Both from the same tree. Now, I think we should explore this a little further. Give me back Matthew chapter 21 verse 19. Give it to me, Olaolu, please, in the Amplified Translation. Let me tell you why the fig tree did not produce. Thank you very much. Please pay very careful attention to this translation. Now, because you guys are wordsmiths, by, being, by saying wordsmith, I'm saying you guys are good students of the world. Let me just encourage you. When you're reading the scriptures, Read the passage in as many translations or versions are at your disposal as possible. Because there are certain things that may be highlighted in one that is not highlighted in other that make scriptures jump at you. Look at this verse 19. See if you catch the difference in this verse, this translation versus in the regular NKJV. Even though it's in the NKJV, it just stands out here more. And as he saw one single leafy fig tree above the roadside, he went to it, but he found nothing but leaves on it. Seeing that in, that in the fig tree, the fruit appears at the same time as the leaves. And he said to it, never again shall fruit grow on you, and the fig tree withered up at once. Now, I don't know if you catch it, but let me read another translation for yet more clarity. Give it to me now, Allah in NASB, New American Standard Version. 
New American Standard Version. Thank you. Verse 19 again. Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, No longer shall there be ever shall there ever be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Now, did anybody catch the difference? Anybody wants to take a crack at the difference? Okay, let's just go forward. Yes. Alone. You get, you get, you get, you get my, you get, you get something. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. You don't need it, but you get it anyway. Thank you. Alone. Huge. That's what I was saying at the beginning. The issue of cross pollination. This tree was standing alone by itself. That in itself is an aberration to fruitfulness. This is science. This is simple biology. It is a fact of life. Of all the trees on the earth, the fig tree can never produce fruit except through cross-pollination. It can never happen by standing by itself. It needs other trees standing with it for it to produce any fruit. That was the aberration. I don't care how much fertilizer, I don't care if you put it in Alaska, in Florida, in Lagos, in my village, it doesn't matter. As long as it stands alone, it will not produce. My friend, are you standing alone tonight? Because if as a ministry, as a minister, as a child of God, you are standing alone, you will not produce. It's not possible. God did not manufacture me and you to produce by ourselves. That's why this issue of alternative lifestyle is a stupid, totally crazy madness. No, you're not made to stand alone. That's why the writer of the Hebrews in chapter 10 said, we should not what, forsake the assemblies of ourselves together. Because it understands certain spiritual principles that when we come together, we stimulate one another. We challenge one another. Iron sharpens iron. The deep calls upon the deep. And it is in that cross-pollination of interaction that will become refined, renewed, refreshed, nurtured, fertilized to go forth and bring fruit. It's not possible. Now, I didn't know this myself. Tell you the truth. But when I discovered, I said, this is crazy.
And it's amazing to me that every other institution understands this fact. It's lived out the best in the military. That's why they put you guys in platoons, in battalions. You don't do anything alone. So when a Navy SEAL goes to get Osama, they didn't send a Superman. All these things you're looking at, your Hollywood is a lie. 24, a bow. What's that guy's name? Jack Bow. Is that his name? Jack Bow? Jack Bow. Alone. He's going to catch this thief. He's going to catch this terrorist. But one man is a lie. We need to be careful because these things program our head to think, I suppose you can do anything. You can't do Jack. No. No. You have to support one another. You have to love one another. That's the only way we grow. When I belong to a church, a family of believers, and I just come in on Sunday morning, I listen to the message for two hours, I do praise and worship and just go home. No interaction. I have not deposited anything and I have not picked up anything. I just wasted my time. No. How in the world are you going to impregnate yourself? Is it possible? I mean, come on. I, I don't care what you do. You buy, you buy holiday, you buy, you know, all this crazy stuff on TV. And you, can you pregnant yourself? And yet, we come together, we see the instrument of our impregnation, and we just walk right past it. Not knowing that God's ordained us and brought us together for such a time, so that we can be the iron that sharpens iron, the deep that calls upon the deep, and we miss our destiny, and we're praying, God, help me to multiply my ministry. Really? It's not going to happen like that. It's not going to happen like that. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying to us? This is the reason we must cultivate relationships. To cultivate relationships means I have to get outside of my comfort zones. It is huge. Sometimes it's humbling. Other times it could be humiliating. But I just trust God that he knows what he's doing. Let me give you a, a, a practical example. Something that just happened. Let me not speak. Jesus, be my mouth. Jesus, help me to win my brother. Jesus, help me to put myself on the chopping block for two days. The day Revelation told me the story, and the next day, before I called him. And so finally, that next day, I looked at my phone. I said, Bank, it's time to do what you prayed. Pick up my phone, dial his number. He came on within the second ring. He was on. I said, Pastor, let me just tell you up front, it's my fault. That's what I said to him. I didn't try to say I misunderstood you. Uh, you know, the text you sent was confusing. Forget all of that. I said, I take full responsibility. I am the fault. Forgive me. I apologize. 
He tried to say anything else, I stopped him. I am the fault. I made the mistake. I am wrong. Please forgive me. Am I begging for $400? No. 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 Over and over, it became a song. If you try to say something else, oh, don't worry about this. I don't know. I am worrying about it. Relationship is important to me. You mean much to me. I esteem you. I know you are a man of God. I know, I am telling you, I'm over and over and over. I overwhelm him with sincere apology. Over and over and over. Now, mind you, when Revelation spoke to him, Revelation as an office manager, administrator was trying to find a way to say, can, can, you give, can he give you another date? He said, no, I'll get somebody else. That's, that's what he said to Revelation. Forget about another date. I'll, I'll get somebody else. I mean, it was that mad. But to the glory of God, by the time I overwhelmed him with God-given humility in throwing myself at the sword, not blaming him, not blaming Revelation, not blaming anybody, say, it is me. Before the guy left the phone, he said, you know what? We need to find another date. Now, that was not my goal. And I kept on telling him, I don't need to come to preach. In fact, my brother and I, we went there. Did he, was it me or someone that went with us? Okay. We went there. Fuller was preaching for him. We went there just to support the meeting. So it was, it, part of his complaint was, you know, uh, uh, we're giving this money every month and I just wanted you to come so that the people can really get a chance to enjoy your ministry uh, as I'm trying to encourage them to, to, to really give them a listen. I'll be willing to come any day, not to preach, just to greet them and let them know that I'm the fault. I told him that. On and on and on. I finally said, oh, don't worry about it. I understand now. Don't worry. It's all right. I, I, really, I, I really appreciate you calling. I really, really do appreciate you calling. Because I think he was thinking that revelation was going to be all he was going to speak to. And I escalated it. I spoke with him. And said, we're going to fix another date. But you know the truth? I don't care about the date. The date is the relationship. 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 And I'm telling you, I'm not just talking about just spiritual things. No. Sabino's down to my baba. The person I used to cut our hair. We drive 40 minutes. Kuna and I, we go there together. To get there. My wife used to ask me, is this the only baba in town? Why would you drive 40 minutes to go to this person to get you? I said, I'm sorry, it's just a relationship. I don't deal with anybody that I can't relate to. And when the season was up with that relationship, God released me from it. I just walked away from it. Not because there's any problem. No, because it's time to build another one. And up till today, if I was to pick the phone and call that person and say, listen, I, don't, I can't come to the shop, come and cut my hair, they'll be here within five minutes. No joking. Am I talking fully? Because they, we, didn't, we didn't fight. I didn't burn any bridges. They didn't offend me, I didn't offend them. 
I'm saying to us, don't be careless. You will not take your car to heaven. Mm. It's a nice car, mm. but Jesus don't need it. You cannot take your house to heaven. He already has a mansion. The only thing you take to heaven, relationships. Relationships. It's currency of the spirit. It's the truth. Don't be careless. God is not bringing people around you so you can abuse them and exploit them and destroy them and then we walk away and say, ah, I'm a child of God. What? No. No. Now, I understand there are individuals that is very difficult to deal with. I'm not disputing that. Just make sure that on your part, it's not because of pride or arrogance for which you've not made the attempt to make sure you do what God has empowered you to do. No one has truly kissed any of us with a kiss of betrayal. And yet Jesus could look at Judas and say, friend, the very person who was going to commit him to be hung on a tree, he called him a friend. Call him a friend. Now, so the fig tree that Jesus cursed, to me and you, is a symbol of hypocrisy. They have the appearance of everything being well, but the truth is they are not producing any fruit. And so Jesus had no recourse in that case but to curse it. And in doing so, he's giving us a message. That if my life or your life cannot satisfy him, his hunger for intimacy, if you and I cannot satisfy that hunger in him for intimacy, then really, truly, we cannot satisfy any man or woman in service or ministry. Did you understand that? If we cannot satisfy the hunger in him, Jesus, for intimacy, then really, we truly have, we truly don't have the wherewithal in ministry or service, whatever that service is, to satisfy anybody else. We don't. Now, Let's go to Luke 13. We are almost, almost done with this part. Luke 13. Let's look at the good news. <sighs> Luke chapter 13. In verse 6 and 7. Give it to me, please. Adora. You guys are playing games on me. First I say Olaolu, then I say Adura, then I say Olaolu. I say, so I have to keep my eyes really attentive. <laughs> you guys are keeping me on my toes. And you see, I'm not as tired as Tosin said I was. You see that? <laughs> I know the difference between Adura and Olaolu. She's coming in the room, or remember that. 
Luke 13 verse 6. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Next verse. Verse 8. But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. <coughs> in that verse 8, in some other translation, I can't remember which one now, when he talks about until I dig around it, the word fertilized there was used, or it, the word that was used for that was the word dung it. Dung, as in dung, D-U-N-G. One of those translations. Okay? So this is, the, this, is, this is the point. So Jesus tells us another story of a person who owned a vineyard, who planted fig trees. And again, like Matthew chapter 21, it's planted, but it's not produced. And the owner said, what a nonsense. Cut the thing down so it does not waste my ground. <coughs> and in verse 8, the keeper, the keeper of the vineyard, not the owner, the keeper, said, Lord, so this keeper, or rather helper, is talking to the Lord, to, to who owns it, said, Lord, let it alone this year also. Till I shall, ah, ah, Adura, you get two dollars. Come and give it to him now. <laughs> Come and get it before I repent. He found a scripture for me. KJV. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Two dollars confused him. What will happen to five dollars? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so the owner was going to say, Wait, what nonsense is this? Why should I make this investment and there's no harvest? Cut this thing down. Let's, let's forget this and go into another business. The helper said, Oh, no, please don't do that. Let's give you one more year. And now in this one year, let me, the helper, be responsible. Not the tree. I will dig about it. Digging means excavation. All the stuff in your life that's impeding your ability to produce. That helper said, no, I won't let the tree do the digging. It can't. It must take an outside force bigger than the tree to do the digging. Excavation. All the habits, destructive habits. I have a friend who loves Coca-Cola so much. This friend would tell me, Coca-Cola Coca is not good for you. Don't drink it. No, no, don't drink Coca-Cola. It's not good. It's poison. In fact, some, this my friend told me, he said, 
if Coke was manufactured today, it would be a drug. <laughs> they would not give it a license. I said, hey, is this true? And me and my friend will go out to eat. Guess what the orders? Coke. <laughs> Fill it with ice. And he will be sipping on his ah, This is my friend. I thought he told me Coke is not good. <laughs> the person is my friend. Oh, I'm talking about you. I didn't say it. <laughs> so this helper, things that you and I readily do and accept that we know are destructive, but nonetheless we do them anyway. The helper said, oh God, blood, leave him for me. Give me one more year. I'm going to dig around it, expose, excavate all those things because now I know your heart, Lord. You want food. Now I understand it. I'm going to set up a curriculum. So we will dig it and then we will dung it. This is the language of Apostle Paul in Philippians. Can we go there, chapter 3? Leave it in the KJV. Philippians chapter 3. We are almost done. In verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of the scriptures. Oh, oh my goodness. Paul is not advocating that you know scriptures. Who does he want you to know? Who does he want to know? Who was his life pursuit? Christ Jesus. And here we are pushing scriptures. You must memorize three a day. Okay, let's leave it alone. We, we, we talk about that enough. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do not count them but what? So when the helper said in Luke 13, he would dig and dung. What was that dung referring to? All your achievements. <laughs> You guys just went dead on me. Just went silent on me. Okay. To make sense, go to verse 7. Go to verse 6. Go to verse 5. So here Paul begins to give you his CV or profile or his resume. You guys want to know who I am? Let me tell you about me. Because you guys, for some reason, though, you've not accorded me enough respect. Let me tell you who I am. Mm -hmm. Circumcised on the eighth day. I was on time. Of the stock of Israel. Just in case you think I was a, I'm a naturalized American. I'm a stock of Israel. Okay, I didn't apply for a green card. I was born here. In case you wonder, out of Israel. Who's, who, 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 of the tribe of Benjamin. Because in Israel, the Benjamites were most revered and feared. 
Let me tell you who I am, where I'm from. I'm Hebrew of the Hebrews. Negro of Negroes. Ah, what are you talking? As touching the law, a Pharisee. You, th you think you know the law? We wrote it. He, he's, he's talking about himself here. In case you don't know who he is, he's giving his, his, his CV. Concerning zeal, some of you come to church with no life. We, can, we don't even know you are born again. You have no zeal, no passion. Me? My zeal is such when we leave church, the church knows. Persecuting the church. Somewhere it says he wasted the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law. Blameless. I mean, come on, man. But now we're going to say, who is this man? Let me see him. Who is this guy you are talking about? But what things were gained to me? Those are counted laws for Christ. The, the certificate of my ordination that I've, that I've built a house for, that I'm hanging in front of my house, where the whole world can see when I was ordained, count worthless. Because if you don't have this mindset, you will never be able to pick up the phone and humble yourself. Even when you may not be wrong. You will never be willing to do so to gain your brother or your sister. Because you'll be counting your credentials. Your rights, thank you. And where we are all going is calling you and I to relinquish those rights. Because if you don't learn to relinquish it, you cannot gain his. That's why I told Peter. Peter was asking him. He's giving Peter all what's going to happen to him in end times. And Peter was curious. How about John? What was going to happen to John? Jesus said, it's not your business. Let's talk about you. No, don't worry about John. In fact, since you asked, let me tell you. Right now, you have a lot of strength. A day is coming when you won't be able to put upon your pants. And another one will take you by the hand and lead you. But what things were given to me, those are candid for the loss of Christ. Go on. Yea, doubtless, I can all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. Can you imagine everything you've achieved? Paul said, there's one adjective to describe it. Dung. Dung. And in this room, you guys are accomplished. All of you are accomplished. I thank God for you, in the natural. You're all accomplished. But in the final analysis and equation of spiritual living, Paul said, it's as good as the toilet. Let's make it real, real. Do you know how you use the toilet? I know nobody that's used the toilet and go back and say, let me, let me enjoy that toilet. When you're done, you run out of the place. And you spring behind you. Say, God, what a nasty thing. Paul said, everything you're going to have done in a natural. Pack it together, put it in the box, reboil it, it's done. It's done. The things that we fight for vigorously, the rights we try to defend, 
the territories we try to build, the walls we build around ourselves. One adjective, dung. And if you enjoy dung, keep it. I don't know any of us that enjoys dung. Without understanding, is it worth it? So he says, give me one year, and back in Luke 13, I will dig around it, and I will dung it. And then after one year, if it does not produce, she can cut it down. This is the good news. God has not given up on us. He's given us another season. Another season of active pursuit. Not of learning scriptures. Yes, we read scriptures. We study scriptures. Please, I'm not diminishing that. But what I'm emphasizing much more and above scriptures is the pursuit of the him who gave the scriptures. Asking him to help us find relevance in the scriptures we are reading. God, I've read it. What does it mean to me? What do you want me to do out of this? How do you want to apply this in my life? Not just running based on the logos, but receiving the rema. Because it is through rema that the promises of God are administered to us by the Holy Spirit. I call the Spirit of God in this season, in this hour, the Spirit of grace. That's where the Bible describes him in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Hebrews chapter 12 as well. The Spirit of grace. Only two places in Scripture where the Holy Ghost is described as the Spirit of grace. Specifically. So we see that we just don't have Jesus who is grace, but he also sent the spirit of grace. Because it is through this spirit of grace that the grace of God will be administered and dispensed to us at our various levels where we need it. Amen? Amen. I think we have enough for tonight. Any Questions or comments? Any questions? Okay, did we understand everything I was said tonight? We do? Huh? Ah. Okay, we understand everything we said tonight? <laughs> Amen. Okay. Well, since there are no questions, that's fine. Any comments then, if there are no questions? Any comments? And the reason I do this is because I've come to learn that we learn by these interactions. Any questions at all? Anything that jumped at, at you?
Paso. Ya. Yeah. Um, I do have a... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And I, I was there. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't recognize. The leaves on first. And Jesus we were expecting yeah. and both of them yes. from my indication having yes. yes. The leaves are indication that the fruit is right behind it. Pardon me? Is the kitchen of the tree. So it's, uh, why, why finish? Photosynthesis. That was the reason the scripture mentioned specifically that it was not a season of figs. But by the appearance of the leaves, at least in that time, in that ancient time, it was a signal to everybody looking around that the fruit also should have been there. Otherwise, Jesus would not have cursed it. Now, we know this to be true because when you read Genesis chapter 3, God told Adam, of all the fruit, of all the trees you may eat, which means all those trees were already were fruited. So he went to the tree and took the leaves, but of course not the fruit. Uh, which helps us to understand, based on what God has already said, that the fruit was there and... Um, uh, but the guy was not interested in the food at all. So, um, in my study, when I googled the thing, uh, it, it told me very clearly as a fact of life and biology. Is it biology or botany? Which one is it? Or is it both? <laughs> okay. <I'll t> <laughs> yeah. That the presence of the leaves is a signal that the food was there or definitely coming shortly thereafter. Anybody else? I know we can just pray. I just want to also contribute. Yeah. This is uh, an experience, you know, that I had, but um, I didn't understand deeper the scriptural implication okay. of what I did. Okay. Um, my colleague is here. I moved to a residence given to me by my institution from six years ago. When I got there, there was this um, uh, mango tree very close uh, to the window of my living room. And I endorsed it a lot because it has very beautiful leaves, you know, to give me oxygen. And in the evening, you know, I enjoy the, the breeze of that. But after the third year, I found out that, yes, 
the mango tree very big the trees i mean the leaves are there it's producing oxygen that i needed but each time the season for fruit and that is in february march comes the flower will come out but at a point the flower will be diseased so when the fruit get to a point everything you know we just a drop hmm. so the first year the second year then i feel you know that um, and when the thing drops it messes up you know the ground and i feel you know that this mango tree that is though producing some oxygen that i need does not produce the fruit hmm. that you know i eventually will like because i come from that side where we have for uh, mangoes you know and uh, i don't eat mangoes that are sold in lagos i get my mango from my village because mangoes that are sold in lagos are ripe mangoes that they use something you know to ripe you know but it's in my it's not natural <laughs> it's not natural it's not natural yes so those mangoes don't get to that stage before they drop and lagosians you know they love it a lot so now what I want to bring out is this. I decided to cut the branches the first year. And once I cut the branches, that's pruning in um, landscape architecture. And the, then I thought you know, that when new tree, I mean, um, leaves come out, then the fruit will come. After that term season, I found out that the thing repeated itself. So I decided you know, to use chemical, you know, to kill the tree because it's not bearing fruit. I did that one the fourth year that I got to that place. So if you get my place today, as a remembrance, I didn't fall that tree, but the tree is still there. Um, so Mike can testify to that. The tree is still there, but it's already killed. And that is, it can't bear even leaves. But it's standing there, you know, as a remembrance that it was there before, very big, leaves are there, but no tree. I mean, no, no fruit. And I'm a farmer. I live my yard, you know, um, extend, you know, to the lagoon. So I do farming. So I now pursue those, um, um, those, those plants that produce fruits and that's what i take all the time i want to raise my case so my action did not go deeper into so this teaching now i can now go out and let people know that at the end of the day bearing fruit is what jesus christ means i want to read this um verse 20 i mean verse 19 of chapter 21 of Matthew that it says normally the small fix appears proceeding or at least simultaneously with the leaves the larger fig appear later finding no fig on this tree the Lord takes the opportunity to stress to his disciples the necessity of fruitfulness the cause of the fig tree is for the word that you use initially, progressing. 
and unfruitfulness. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We give glory and adoration to your holy name. You told us before you leave the disciples that let me go to my father and I will send you a comforter who will teach you all things. Jesus Christ, when you were with us, you had a limitation. You can be at a place at a time. But you pleaded that let me go back to my father and send a third party that can be at all places at all times. And that is the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. We have experienced that promise of yours tonight the Comforter, who has been with everyone that is there, I believe. That Comforter, Lord, we praise your holy name because you have done it again. That Comforter is with each and every one of us. We give us the enablement to go back and really digest and understand the word. And that it says, knowledge is power. But having the knowledge is not sufficient. But the power that comes from the knowledge to be empowered, the ultimate is for us to be able to speak with authority. And when we speak with authority, we are not speaking of our own. It's the fruit that that knowledge that has given us the empowerment you know, we reach out and bear fruits. Your word says that let our light be so shine before men so that they can see, see our good works. It's not our individual works. It's not the work that we do through flesh, but the work that the light, who is the light? You are the source of the light. You are the light in us. But because we allow you to dwell in us. We subject our will to your will. And you now walk through us. You now personalize that light. Your light is so shine before men. So that they can see your good works. The good works we are talking about is the fruitfulness. Our best work through flesh is like filthy rags. But as we allow your light to shine through us to men, then the work that we do through your Holy Spirit is the light. We now bear fruit. And the glory will not come to us. People will see that good works and give glory to your holy name. Father, give us the enablement to be able to bear fruit and live according to your word. And all glory goes back to you 
and all the blessings shall be ours. As we close up for this evening, Lord, empower us to prepare for tomorrow and continuously lead us to learn about fruitfulness. Let your will be done in our lives. In Jesus Christ's name we pray.